You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. We have a terrific show for you today featuring three wonderful pastors who will share their experience of the pandemic and parish ministry and how they see parish ministry evolving for the future. But first, this week we celebrate Juneteenth, which has long been celebrated by the African-American community, but not recognized nearly enough by the white community. You know, the brutal history of slavery and segregation and the recent injustices, of course, that we've experienced around the country continue to inflict pain on our society, and Juneteenth offers a light of hope on the fight for freedom and justice. The National Museum of African American History and Culture notes that Juneteenth is a time to celebrate, a time to gather as a family, to reflect on the past, and look to the future. Within the African American community, Juneteenth is known as the second Independence Day. It's a holiday that commemorates the June 19, 1865 announcement of the abolition of slavery in Texas, and more generally, the emancipation of African-American slaves throughout the Confederate South. Emancipation did not finally come until General Gordon Granger rode into Galveston, Texas, and issued General Order No. 3 on June 19th, almost two and a half years after President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863. So we celebrate this day on June 19th, and it's an opportunity to celebrate and remember the transformative power of human liberation. This year, I encourage you to recognize and consider the meaning of this day by using this day as a day of education or reflection about our collaborative history and taking the time to pray for real change. There are some wonderful programs, podcasts, and articles available. And so in honor of Juneteenth, I'll leave some links in our show notes. But whatever you do, be intentional about what you do this year. It's only through education, dialogue, and prayer that we can make a lasting change in our country. And now, let's get to work. On our panel today, we have three amazing pastors who will share their experience of adapting to a virtual liturgical environment over the past year, and we'll discuss what lessons they learned, new parish practices that came about in their communities, and how that brought them closer together. They'll also talk about how we are going to carry things forward in a post-pandemic church. How do these pastors think about returning to the real presence of the Eucharist, and what steps are they taking to welcome parishioners home? And so, without further ado, here's our conversation. Well, welcome, everybody. So glad to have you all here with us today on Advancing Our Church. We have a great panel of priests and uh, experts on parish and ministry and um, social media and just kind of where where we've been. And we're going to talk about a little bit about where we're going with the lifting of the pandemic and some of the ways in which uh, we've we've seen our parishes be very creative and adaptive during a, a challenging time. Uh, but also a bit of the conversation might turn towards where, where do we see things headed as well. So I just want to first welcome uh, each one of our, our panelists uh, for being a part of this conversation. First, Father Joseph Scalaro is the pastor of Notre Dame Parish in New Hyde Park, New York. Welcome, Father. Thank you. And Father Mike Murphy, the pastor of Sacred Heart Parish out in beautiful Coronado, California. Welcome, Father Mike. 
Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Father Alan Hoffa, who's the pastor of St. Joseph Parish in the Panther Valley in Summit Hill, Pennsylvania, and from my own native diocese of Allentown. Welcome, Father Hoffa. Thanks, Jim. And our very own Anna Baez, Senior Director for Changing Our World. As always, welcome, Anna. Glad to have you as our co-host on this panel today. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so we've seen so many changes over the last 14 months or so. It seems like 14 years, but it's only been 14 months since we started this, and so much has changed, and yet so much has stayed the same. I'm going to start with you, Father Scalaro, out in Long Island. When when the pandemic first hit, how did you initially keep parishioners engaged during the pandemic? And over the last year, how have you adapted to this pandemic and, and, and the social distancing? You know, when it first happened, we were all questioning how long this was going to last. So we had a few, we put a few videos out just to tell everybody we're still here. Hopefully, you know, this is our plan. But after the first few weeks, when we got the sense that this was going to extend beyond that, we started to build some long-term plans. We did a lot more. We shifted to an online platform for Mass. We were doing it every week. We started doing Bible studies and, and different, you know, we put the rosary up. We put all sorts of prayers up and we did a, a lot of formation online. Um, and Actually, one of the things it is, I just started calling every parishioner from the beginning to the end of the list just to connect with everybody, say, you know, we've got this stuff going on. Please stay connected. We're here for you if you need anything. Our food pantry was open and, and active. I was lucky I had a, a college student who's in film production. That's sort of his his field. So he came in and just did it all. He set up a, in the office, awesome. set up everything in the church. Um, so it was great the two of us could come together and just try to find innovative ways to, to reach out to people. That's excellent. Excellent. We talked a lot about that on the podcast. Just it's a, it's a great way of engaging young people and in a way in which they've been able to, um, to make a difference in connecting parishioners to, through social media, through ways in which maybe the parish, the parish wasn't previously connected. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are following this stuff and, and as much as, you know, the online platform, it engages people. It's very much a beginning. You get something flashy, attractive, they see it, then they might follow up and say, oh, I should go to an event at that parish. It's like looking at the bulletin or looking at your Facebook or your website. It's got to have a little polish. They get somebody to stop, watch. Huh, let me check this out. I think that's something this young guy really opened my eyes to is you, you, you can't always go deep on these sort of platforms, but you make it attractive. You don't want people scrolling by it. They get in, they see it they engage, and then maybe they they start to show up, or at least they give you a chance. Excellent. How about you, Father Hoffa? How have you uh, kept your parishioners engaged over the past year? You know, the one thing that I've reflected on, I have to say, is that there have been a lot of silver lining moments during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And for myself, the biggest silver lining moment throughout this pandemic is that the pandemic has challenged me to grow in my identity as a priest in the imitation living out of the life of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. And I say that because, you know, Jesus walked into a number of different situations and they were all different, especially in his way to radically transform those situations through his love and what that pushed him to do. One of the things that I used in the beginning of this pandemic was to compare the reality of what Jesus would do in going into you know areas where there were lepers, people wanted nothing to do with lepers. They ran the other way, and we hear you know all of those different you know instructions you know through the scriptures and things of of how lepers were treated. And yet there was Jesus, and so I took that on at an early time and said, okay, 
we need to rally the people and to be able to make sure that they can still stay connected. And that word relationship was something that always, you know, Jesus wants relationship with us. And there's so many ways in which we accomplish that through our faith, of course, sacramentally, uh, spiritually in prayer. And so it was about making sure that our people could get connected in such a way. So like one of the things that we immediately looked for was the, the ways to connect not only with our parishioners who were tech savvy, but also in a way that our parishioners who are not tech savvy, especially our older parishioners, a number of mm-hmm. So one of the nice thing in being in a small rural area is that there are a lot of people who still listen to the local radio and, you know, oh, yeah. they love their polkas, for instance, and stuff like that. So we were able to work out an agreement with the local radio station to get mass on the radio in addition to um, having live streamed and having an FM transmitter and having mass outside in a trailer while people were in their cars. But the great thing was is that a number of people on our team jumped on board because they took on the missionary discipleship role also. You know, one of the great groups that we had were our ushers who helped to facilitate getting people parked for our drive-up masses every single week from when we went from June all the way until when we got back into church in November. Everybody played a part, and the word of mouth traveled, and it was very much about that early church that grew. It was almost like we hit a reset button, and we had to grow the church and connect with people, and we did it in multiple ways. And I think that's the big thing. I, I, I'm in education too now, and I always love to tell teachers that, you know, the, the big pop phrase right now is differentiated instruction for teaching. And I said, Jesus was the originator of differentiated instruction. And, you know, it's differentiated catechesis. Everybody comes to Christ in a different way. We just need to find that way. And I think that that was a lot of the neat things we were able to accomplish here in the parish. Tremendous. Mm-hmm. How about you, Father Mike? Well, on, on March 15th of last year, we were scheduled to have our bishop come out to the parish to dedicate our new buildings. We just finished this massive redevelopment project, first one in over 70 years in the parish. And yet on the on the uh, two days earlier, on Friday the 13th of March, we got the word that everything was being shut down. But it, it really turned out to be very providential in many ways later on, as I'll, I'll explain. But some of the things we started doing immediately, we, we, we felt the need to, to continue to catechize the people. So, of course, we had online masses. We had already, for several years, had uh, live streaming, the capability of live streaming for our, our, our more elderly people or those who were homebound. So what we simply did with the pandemic was we improved that by adding a couple more cameras and more technology, which was very, very helpful. And then also, uh, beginning on that, on that uh, Sunday, the 15th, we began to online have a rosary every night at seven o'clock and people were tuning in from all over the parish to that rosary to pray the rosary with us. And then after a couple of weeks, we started inviting families to come and lead the rosary. So they would come to the church and we would have them lead the rosary. It just was a great participation of the people to keep them together. What we also did at that during those early years is we signed up for Bishop Barron's word of fire programs. And mm-hmm. so we paid the, the license fee, and then we put the word out to all the parishioners online, gave them the link so that they can get on to Bishop Barron. And he has such tremendous uh, programs of, on sacraments, on history of the church, on the saints. We made that available to them so the catechesis could continue. Also, was mentioned by, by Alan, Father Allen, is that we, uh, I, I took our parish list and divided it up amongst all of our, our, our pastoral staff 
And, and we all started calling people, just asking how they were doing and, and letting them know we're still here, we're praying for them. And, and then in addition to that, Coronado is unique in the sense that we're surrounded on three sides by water, sometimes called Coronado Island, but actually it's an isthmus. And the village, we have two major areas, the village and then what's called Coronado Case. Um, and so I began walking the streets three days a week. I would start at one end on the, on the bay side and walk all the way down toward the ocean side. I picked two or three streets a, a day. And I just walk and I had the parish list and I would knock on the door and just see how people are doing. We're doing that. During those days, everyone was still locked down. There was nobody going to work. Mm-hmm. And so I would just check in on them and uh, ask how they were doing. Then I would ask, would you like to receive communion? And I would bring communion to them. And so many times when I said that, the tears would start running down their faces. They so desperately missed mm-hmm. the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was uh, giving communion out as I walked down the, down the streets. So I did that for the first couple of months and the first three months before we were able to open up again, at least in a modified way. And then when that happened, we could have masses outside. So because of the of all the, of the construction we had just gone through at this beautiful plaza, uh, with speakers in and everything. So we invited people to just come and bring your beach chairs. Everybody in Coronado has a beach chair because we're surrounded by the beach. <laughs> so they put their beach chairs in the plaza out in the grass area. And then across the street, we have a lovely park. So they put their beach chairs out there too, where they can watch their kids play on the playground. And we have mass every morning there. And then of course, uh, our Sunday masses as well. And we were getting two, 300 people at, uh, at a mass outside during those days. In fact, they enjoyed it so much. They've come to me since then and said, this summer, can we continue to do masses outside? So we're looking <laughs> at that because they enjoyed being able just to roll up with their beach chairs and, and listen to the mass. These are the things we, that, we, that we did to keep people engaged, uh, as well as, as I said, doing the online uh, technology and just reaching out to them in any way you can, the full personal phone calls. And we kept the, and we kept uh, our CRE, our children's religious education, growing by sending off. We would put together a package, weekly package, and then we would email that package or flock note that package to each parent who had children with the lessons that they could go over with their children in order to keep their children continuing to grow and mature in the faith. I tell you, all three of you um, are just yeah. inspirational in in what you've accomplished for your communities, and I'm sure inspired other your neighboring communities as well. I, I'm curious, do you think that some of these things that you've adapted over the last year, will you continue them? Or have they inspired you to, to minister in new ways to your to your parishes? Uh, I think so. I think there's a lot of potential, you know, especially in the older community that can't always come out in the evenings or you want to have a Bible study. Why not, you know, do it online? Why not have a prayer group that people engage with each other? you know, virtually, even some meetings, it's just a lot easier than dragging everybody out if they've got kids at home um, to do things online. A lot more people can access it, but otherwise they wouldn't because they just can't get out of the house. I would say it gives us the flexibility now in the future. I think a lot of people want to get away from the online stuff, but there are times when it's just very convenient when people can't yeah. because because they have kids at home that they can't get a babysitter. So we just, we, we could have a, a dual meeting with some people present. And then and again, when we built these new buildings, I insisted that we put all the latest technology in there. Right. So I have large screen TVs in our in our meeting room so that we can do both. We can have a lot of people there live as well as those who can't get babysitted or can't come. They can watch it online and participate that way. And I just want to say, you know, Father, personally, I think you've done a great job keeping us all connected, you know, through the pandemic. And I personally love the emails and Bishop. 
having Bishop Barron um, when you send that you know weekly uh, email out to all of us. I just it's it's great and it's it's helped to stay connected. You yeah. know, so I'm happy to hear you're going to continue the outdoor. Uh, mm-hmm. St. Patrick's is doing the same. So um, and you know I agree with Jim. This is just inspiring to hear all of you talk about the ways that you've been able to continue to engage folks. So. Uh, you know, I, God bless you all. So go ahead, Father Alan, you were going to say something. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the big things too, is to not get caught up in the trappings of fear. Mm. Uh, You know, I think that there along the way, a lot of times what, what limits people is we get into those, well, what if this turns out badly? And you know what, being a, you know, a rational person, it's good for us to consider those things, but we equally have to almost by trial and error, what if it turns out to be a great success at the same time? And we need to think that through. Like, for instance, one of the things that I've noticed before the pandemic hit, our daily mass had about 25 people on average who would come to daily mass every day. Now that I'm back, but I'm still, uh, that we're back and we're still live streaming, we still have 25 people at daily mass. But we've gained another 30 people who watch our daily mass live. Right. So now we're impacting 55 people a day Instead of just 25. Yeah. So, you know, again, I think also it challenges us to increase catechesis. And, you know, both of my brother priests have talked about, you know, the ways that they've done, you know, increased catechesis, which is great. And, you know, I think that there's, we have to watch for those trappings, for instance, you know, people, number of people have said, you know, oh, it's been wonderful to wake up on a Sunday morning and watch mass and have my coffee. And I said, yes, that's wonderful, except for you're not receiving the Eucharist. And that is the source and summit of our faith, especially as we just celebrated Corpus Christi. So I think it offers those opportunities for catechesis. But at the same time, it's okay to go and try something, see how it works, evaluate it, and then retool, drop it, or expound upon it moving forward. So I think that that was one of the definite things of, I, you know, I knew priests who were doing live streams before this, before the pandemic. And I was like, nah, I don't want that to turn into a negative for the parish. But now that I've tried it and I've seen the result, it's something that I embrace and that I want to continue to, to use and to allow the people to benefit from. Do you think as a church, Father Hoffa, just to pick up on what you're saying, do you think as a church, we almost needed this as a little bit of a kick in the pants to move the church into the 21st century, to move us towards new technologies in a way that it, I, I feel as though it would have taken us another 10 years for us to get to where we are today, but we've moved in such a short time with more parishes now online, more more available to more people. As far as catechesis go, our, our footprint, our digital footprint has probably quadrupled over the yeah. last year. Yeah. Yeah, but but I, I also think that, the, that what the pandemic has done is also shown some glaring areas where we have maybe failed in some ways. And I'll give an example. I was talking to a prisoner here recently who, who said, you know, Father Mike, I don't know if I need to come back to Mass because I've had a great year. I watch Mass on TV, and it's just fine. I'm doing just fine. I had to remind him that the that the Eucharist is not a spectator sport. <laughs> but what it also points out, and this was a recent survey that came out, is that forty percent of the Roman Catholics believe that the Eucharist is just a symbol. And I think, and, I, and my concern is that people sitting at home just watching the live stream. They have no motivation to come to Mass because it's just a symbol. Jesus isn't really present there. And we as priests and catechists have our work cut out for us to continue to catechize and, and, to, and to teach about the, the importance of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And I think this is 
in the months ahead, we'll see how, how effective we're going to be because there are going to be people, like Father Allen said, who are going to continue to, to watch Mass online. Right. You know, because it because that's that feeds them there uh, because they to them the Eucharist isn't any more than just being fed by the words rather than Eucharist itself. So exactly. I think we have some work our work cut out for us as uh, as priests and as catechists. In following up on what Father Mike said, uh, you know, the first thing as you brought that up, Jim, was we all know the quote: "We were not made for comfort; we were made for greatness." And I think that one of the things that this is challenged, especially for priests. Um, and those for, for those who lead in parishes is check yourself. Are you comfortable? Because a lot of people who were comfortable are were made uncomfortable by the pandemic. And good, you know, again, not for the negative aspects of, you know, health scares and stuff like that, but for the fact of, well, we, we're just going to continue to do it how we've always done it. No, that, that's not good. But the other side of it is that as we, we go out there, this is an opportunity for a new springtime in the church to be able to understand what it's all about. And, you know, Father Mike brings up a great point. We love to be entertained with all that we have on screen now. You know, the, the entertainment value is what we judge, what we commit to. And so if a church has, you know, what would be considered, you know, the normal course of Catholic, you know, liturgical music um, at the parish versus the the parish that has the, you know, the, the rock band ministry and stuff like that, which again, it all has its particular place. But are we going to that parish because of that? Or I always tell people, you got to go where you're being nourished. And the ultimate way that we're nourished is the Eucharist. And that's at every parish. And the Mass is at every parish. And so it's getting us back to what our roots are, while in the same way, taking that core truth and connecting people with it in a different way. And that's been the beauty of what we've been able to retool here. Well said. Brother Scalero, you want to jump in? It's valuable, but I think we do need to revisit how we use it moving forward, because I think one of the dangers is like we've been addressing is people get comfortable. This is how I'm going to live my faith. But I think, Father Allen, you were referring to this. The engagement always has to be personal. Our job as priests is there has to be that that individual contact. If I can't minister to somebody by speaking into a camera to some anonymous crowd, all of our work is done encountering individuals like Christ. He had to speak to the individual and change their hearts. So I think an important part, I think what this did challenge us to do is remember we need to evangelize. For every one person in the pew, there's 10 people wandering around who has no interest in the faith. So what we're doing is when we use a Facebook or an Instagram or any sort of social media or YouTube, we're putting it out there for the sake of those who might stumble on it and who we want to bring in. The people who are here, if we're putting out content for them, well, they're not going to come anymore. So it's almost like we start to shift get them, they should be coming back to church for Sunday Mass and those sorts of things. But we should be putting out there, you know, this person lives down the street and they had a real trouble with the scandal. Well, maybe we put out a video about how Catholics deal with the scandal. I have trouble with this teaching on the Eucharist. Maybe we put out something that explains why we believe it to, to catch the eye of those who aren't in. Um, I think that's the real gift of social media is you're able to project out um, in a way to, to help people engage with the faith, draw them in, and then you can, once they're in, then you have the chance to speak to them and, and make it personal and not right. personal technological. You've all uh, mentioned this at one point in your talking points over the last few minutes, and why don't we kind of 
delve into this. How are you inviting your parishioners to come back? I know that oh, I, yeah. is everyone now back to, I'm sure at some level, you're all back to in-person mass, if not somewhat full capacity or near full capacity. I know mm-hmm. you're in Pennsylvania. If you've been fully vaccinated, you're allowed to not wear your mask. And that's the way it is in, in the businesses here locally. How are you looking at uh, inviting parishioners to come back to attend in person, really to address exactly what you were saying, Father Mike, with those, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get from the couch to back to the pew because mm-hmm. it's a less comfortable chair, right? So how right. do we how do we get people back in? It really is going to take a huge effort of evangelization, as Los Calera said. But we're in the Diocese of San Diego, the Diocesan Pastoral Council is meeting now and preparing a three-level uh, approach starting in September. And every month, they're going to focus on a particular aspect. For instance, in, in September, the theme is going to be uh, the Eucharist, to return to full communion and regular personal, rather alternative spiritual relationship with Christ by celebrating his real presence in the Eucharist. So all the parishes will be that will be our focus for the first month of September, is talking about the real presence and the importance. Then in October, the theme will be, we celebrate return to personal fellowship, communion, and service in our parishes as members of the body of Christ. So we've now gone from our personal relationship with Jesus through the Eucharist to now gathering our faith community together. And then in the month of November, the third theme is going to be reaching out to the wider world. How do we evangelize everyone else? So it's going through these three levels of evangelization. And here in the parish, for instance, this Sunday, I'm having the first meeting of a group I pulled together called the Post-COVID Re-Evangelization Committee. And we're going to be looking at ways of how in our parish we can reach out to to our parishioners. And we're looking at various aspects, not only of continuing to put things out online, but also dividing the parish up into, into neighborhoods or missions and sending people out two by two to go knocking on the doors of all the Catholics. And we're gonna give out booklets like this about the mass and about welcoming to our community so that we can invite people to come back if they're not coming back yet and assure them that everything's safe to come back. But it's gonna be this, there's probably a six month effort for us to get people in the in the, in the the parish back by, per, by one, one-on-one contact. Great idea. So we're, um, we're going back we're full capacity right now, and, and our obligation returns the obligation to attend Mass August 15th. Um, so the diocese is making a big push to remind everybody. So for the past year, you know, you haven't had to come. So God bless you all for, you know, coming or when you can or watching on the Internet. But none of that has fulfilled the obligation because there hasn't been one. Um, so this is a moment to remind people. It may be nice to watch online, but you're missing something, as we've all been saying. And so to give a strong encouragement to remind everybody this is the center of who we are. There's a commandment that informs us to do it. And I think one thing I know we have been trying to do is a lot of people, as we've been saying, they're not catechized. The mass doesn't make sense. So what sort of events can we invite someone to that might start to ease them in? You know, having a holy hour. Okay, you don't need to know when to sit, stand, or respond. You just come, kneel, pray, help somebody encounter the Blessed Sacrament, and maybe they'll grow an appreciation of it. We've had, like, we've been a little... uh, edgy, like we've had wine and cheese nights or whiskey scar nights, you know, we were allowed to do this, it's outside. And so you bring somebody, we had an outdoor mass, you know, people stop in, you know, they're hanging out and you have an encounter and an opportunity to invite them, hey, why don't you check out Sunday mass to draw them in to the community and then maybe they'll be more comfortable to come to a religious event. Um, So we've been trying to be a little more creative in in getting people onto the campus because once they're here, they meet people, they're comfortable, then maybe they're more inclined to, to show up on a Sunday. 
that's fantastic. You know, for lack of a better phrase, the old bait and switch is one of the uh, uh, <laughs> best things that people have been using in sales and all types of things. And we we do it all the same. You know, what is what is that thing that draws people in? And get, let, let's face it again, the playbook was 2000 years ago. It's what Jesus did. You know, come and, and, you know, I, I always remember that scene from the, the seashore, you know, they wanted to, to, to see what the, who this guy was, who was baking some fish on a, on a, an open fire. And then they sat down and listened to him and they realized it was the Lord and, you know, pray, praise be God. And it, it's amazing. But I think that, you know, a large part of this is the innovation that's happening and we keep coming around a common theme, the Eucharist because it is the source and summit of the church. And I think that this is giving, again, a a new opportunity to refocus people on the Eucharist. You know, the word of God is an incredible gift, but the the Eucharist, and I, I talked about this this past weekend with Corpus Christi, the Eucharist is, you know, the body of Christ, and it is at the center of us as church, the mystical body of Christ. Our bishop here in Allentown, while Pope Francis inaugurated the year of St. Joseph, our bishop inaugurated uh, the year of real presence. And so it's a focus on the Eucharist. And, and uh, the, this past weekend for Corpus Christi, you know, um, there were a number of parishes that did Corpus Christi processions. So one of the things that I did was, you know, we all know when the shutdown came, I can remember it very vividly. It was right before Palm Sunday weekend. And, you know, for us, at least here in Pennsylvania. And I remember one of the, the things that really just hit my heart was with Holy Thursday coming up and the Mass for the Lord's Supper, all the people who pour out because of the institution of the Eucharist. And so what I did was we have a parish truck and a trailer that they usually haul around. They haul around like the, the, the lawn gear and stuff on. We converted that into a huge float uh, with an altar intact and everything. And, you know, we said to the people, listen, you can't come to Jesus. Jesus is coming to you. And I can remember from the time of being probably a young teenager, seeing Pope John Paul II do one of the Corpus Christi processions, you know, on that Thursday in Rome, you know, throughout, you know, the, the city and everything like that. And I said, I, if I'm a priest, I'm going to do that one day. Well, it was just like that. The problem is up here in rural Pennsylvania is it wound up um, snowing while we were doing that. So it was hot as blazes. And we actually did the same thing this past Sunday for Corpus Christi. Um, but then for that Holy Thursday, um, we went from snow to blazing heat. But again, it's worth it to see people. And again, I've been here at this parish for four years, gotten to know the parishioners. There were people who were, I've never seen, who came out of their houses as they could hear the police sirens coming. Not only did they just come out and say, what's going on here? They knelt. They knelt on the concrete and they blessed themselves as they knew that that was the blessed sacrament. And so I think our ability to engage people with the blessed sacrament and to engage people with the Eucharist. It is what makes us different as church. And it is the most powerful gift that we have to be able to share with people in their encounter with Jesus. Very well said, Father. Yeah, Father Hoffa, uh, and, and I'm sure, I know that Father Scalero and Father Mike have something to share on this, but I know, Father Hoffa, you've been the interim uh, head of school for uh, high school during this pandemic over the past year. How have the kids adapted? How have the students adapted uh, to this learning environment? And do you think there have been some lessons learned there from an educational perspective? One of the big things that was our challenge this year, we knew was going to be our challenges. We needed to get back to school. One, for the well-being of the students, but two, you know, just about, you know, the free alternatives that are out there versus, you know, the, the, the values-based proposition of what a Catholic school offers. 
And so, you know, getting ourselves back to school meant that we had to raise the bar in doing what we needed to do to keep everyone safe. And, you know, here in Pennsylvania, we were able um, as a private school to get back, you know, full, t- full time with everyone. Of course, we provided a virtual option if a family didn't feel safe. But, you know, from the begin- end of August all the way through to tomorrow, which is our last day, you know, we've been there. And uh, we had minimal interruptions because of COVID cases and things like that. But, you know, you go from the things, you know, you, you go around and you're in a Catholic school and, you know, people are saying, you know, do this and do that in regards to the discipline code when it comes to have your button buttoned or, you know, make sure that, you know, you're wearing the proper, you know, uniform piece or something like that. Well, this year it was keep your mask up. If, if, if I said it once, I probably said it 5,000 times. Mask up, please. Mask up. Mask. Um, but I think that it's one of those things of when we want something we are willing to do what is necessary to make sure it happens. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a values-based proposition. So a lot of our kids, you know, coming back over the summer, they wanted to play their sports. So they did what needed to be done and we did it. Mm-hmm. They wanted to get back to seeing their friends, which meant they had to, they were going to go to school. We did it. But again, distance makes the heart grow fonder. So as people, you know, experienced that they didn't have something, they wanted more of it. And our students this year, you know, realized what they wanted. Our seniors graduated this past Thursday. They wanted a graduation. They saw the abbreviated graduation that we had for the class of 2020. They wanted the real deal for 2021. They made it happen along with us. So I think that we can continue to capitalize that, you know, between young and old, that if we if we foster that want and also that desire and the knowledge that it's something that we need too, it's good for us. So we talked a lot about the social emotional well-being of children throughout all of this, and especially a return to school. If we foster that, then people are willing to put in the effort. But we got to get there to that point first. So the kids saw that. Um, we did some real neat things with Eucharistic Adoration this year and the mass gathering every week, socially distanced, and you know, it made a difference. So I think that you know, young or old, in between, it's getting that need and that want and that desire, and then fulfilling that by the actions and the work that we do. And in our, in our school, what we did as we began this year, we invested in swivel cameras. So each classroom had the camera, even though we were, we wanted the, I insisted that uh, cl- the teachers teach from the classroom when we bring the kids back and we did it in a modified form. But for those who wanted to stay home or ha- had to, because of quarantining, they had the look of, of the, um, of their classroom. They could see the teachers and their classmates in the classroom that worked out very, very well. And then our tradition here has always been that every day, two of the classes come to mass pre-COVID to come to morning mass. And so that every week, every child comes to mass, uh, right. uh, morning mass. So this t- this year, we would have them mass, of course, live streamed into their classrooms. And that was very, very helpful. Today was our closing mass, school mass. So I mentioned to the kids how much they have grown more in this past year than they normally would have because of the challenges that they faced. And I think, our, right. I think the fact that they were educated at this time proves that. But our, our teachers really stepped up to the plate and were very, very heroic in coming to school every single day into the classroom with the kids and teaching. So much so that for the first time in over 25 years, next year, we have a completely full school and every class, all nine classes, have waiting lists because wow. parents from the public schools 
have seen the value of Catholic education and that we did not shrink from the responsibility of educating their children. Our teachers courageously stood up, stepped up to the plate and were in the classroom and the parents want that. And so we're going to, you know, we're, we're, we're full to the gills next year with waiting lists for every single class. But I think that, that goes to show you how Catholic education has really advanced and, 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 and these families recognize the value of that uh, during this pandemic. Our grade school is the same way, Father Mike. Um, you know, the, we we have our highest enrollment that we've ever had. Um, and, you know, actually looking at creative ways to, you know, see how we can find more space, um, you know, because an uh, issue that hasn't happened in schools in our area in a long time has now happened. Um, and it's the good work of our teachers and our staffs, um, you know, and also the word of mouth that's being passed along by parents is also crucial. So we can capitalize on that in also the spreading of the faith as it's connected, because that is what drives our schools to be excellent. Right, that's right. I'd say the same here, you know, our teachers were dedicated. We had everybody in 100%, those who wanted to be in, well, the public schools very often virtual. We had the technology, we were ready to go virtual even back last March. And, you know, people were appreciative. And there's an opportunity. We we added a mass to the daily schedule for the school kids because the rules here were they couldn't come to a public mass, mm-hmm. third parish mass each day. So they were all able to be there. And it was an opportunity, as you say, teach, bring them to adoration, use this as a moment to, to deepen their faith. Well, you know, kind of a follow up to that question. Certainly, this has been a great opportunity to advance educational uh, learning objectives and uh, technology um, but there seems to be something also in there that we could use for engaging families, for engaging uh, youth ministry, which is always such a mm-hmm. difficult and challenging ministry to get going in any parish. Uh, are there any lessons learned you think that we that we can follow uh, over the past year that will engage more young people, more young families uh, in engaging their church? So one thing we did here is virtual mass. There was no children's mass really or children's homily. So I started sending out a mini reflection each Sunday for the, the school kids. So directly speaking to them or even the religious ed kids. And I found a lot of families that wouldn't necessarily come to mass, you know, you kind of know they're, they're, they were flipping these on. It's a few minutes. They're sitting at home. So it was a way to connect with them and they'd sit with their families and watch. And, you know, I think it did some good in the same way we use the online textbooks, faith and life series. So it required, instead of having a catechist, the parents were, rec- were responsible for working through the book with their children. And so many parents said, you know, I've learned so much going through my third grade textbook with my kid because a lot of them didn't get a very strong catechesis. And this is a solid textbook. So they're sitting with their kid and answering questions about Adam and Eve and what does this mean? And and a lot of them, I found it's a chance to help evangelize the parents. So I know we're revisiting our religious ed program. And I think we might keep the online textbook because it, it requires parents to be involved in their children's religious education. They talk about it at the dinner table. And when we bring them here, it's not going to be to sit behind the desk like a classroom setting. Let's take them to pray. Let's take them to mass. Let's take them to adoration. Let's take them to do things that deepen their their appreciation and and a positive experience of the, of the church, and not just some sort of you know dry you know classroom. Right. You know, before COVID, it was always a challenge for parents to get their teenagers to come to church. We all, you know, I'm sure you've had those of you who were children understood that. Yeah. And during COVID, it just made it that much worse because it's just it was just online. So most of them, because of the dispensation, they weren't, they were not even watching us online. Once we were able to come back to Mass in a modified form, I would hold a, a Sunday evening mass in our new parish center. 
where we had all the technology in there. These are for high school kids and our confirmation kids, candidates. And they, and they came. And what I did is I decided that I would have them preach the homily at the Mass and do a reflection. So that would force them to, to delve into the scriptures. And they came up with some of the greatest homilies and reflections for these Masses that were right on their level. And they, and they in fact, they were, they were getting in line to be able to be the next one to do it. They, they enjoyed it so much. So that was a way to engage them into a, the, the mass became such a very personal thing to them. Mm-hmm. And they were truly engaged, as Father Allen said, that full active participation that we're called yeah. in, called to. And they really felt that for the first time, I think, in, in their life, that they were truly participating in it. I think one of the pieces also that happens is, you know, there's different realities within the generations of, of, of the church. And so I always say, you know, you got the grandparents and great grandparents, you got the parents and you got the kids. And so the grandparents and the great grandparents, you know, these are the people that were a lot of them actively involved in, in the life of faith. And mm-hmm. it was handed on, but they come from a different age where you do what you do because you're supposed to do it. And you were told to do it. Um, whereas the parents, you know, fall into that, you know, and even now some of the younger grandparents fell into sort of the lost years of the poorly catechized. And then you have the, the children who are part of the new generation who are the ones who ask why, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's sometimes their parents don't have the answers. Right. So I agree with Father Scalaro that we had the same reality that we would have, where the kids or the parents would be remarking about, you know, the prep programs and stuff like that, of what they were learning. And even in the Catholic grade school as well, because the parents were home, you know, as like secondary teachers and, you know, they were learning about the faith, you know, in, in that regard. But I think the other thing, too, was because of for the older generations, because they were yearning so much for what they were missing, right. it gave an opportunity. And an, I encouraged a number of them to do this is you feel that yearning, share it with the younger generation, mm-hmm. because when we're able to instill that sense of desire in the younger generations and explain why you have that desire then it becomes something, you know, that they can cling on to because you are answering the question why you have an answer for them in that. And I think that that's been brought up or brought about more because of this pandemic, because before people said, well, you should just go do this because this is what we've always done. Uh, Not going to work for the younger kids as much. But now that ability to evangelize, to enter into disciple formation is something that we do as church for one another. And I think that, you know, for the young this has definitely been one way that that's been accomplished by, again, challenging the parents to teach and get themselves catechized to the understanding of the answers, but also giving that connection of the older generations to the younger generations and saying, this is why I, I miss going to Mass. This is why, you know, the Eucharist means so much to me. And the other thing, too, is people have taken to expressing that. There was a woman in my parish who the, the first Sunday that she could be back to receive Holy Communion, it was, it was be- tears in her eyes beautiful, beautiful moment, but she was able to, you know, share with people what actually happened to her in that moment and why it was so important. And I think, again, that ability to breathe, you know, and to speak the word um, in our experience only fosters, you know, you, you think about, as we talked about, you know, the people coming to our schools, parents shared the word with parents. Let's continue to do that with faith too. And it, it will just breed more good. Well, this was a wonderful conversation. I think it's a great way to wrap it up. I just want to thank all three of you and thank you, Anna, for being a part of this conversation. I know that I learned a lot and 
Hopefully oh, those who are too. listening uh, got a few tips and uh, and challenges also in, in how we can re-engage people and bring them back to mass, back to the real presence of the Eucharist. Father Scalaro, Father Hoffa, Father Murphy, thank you so much. for being Thank you, Father Mike, Father Scalaro, and Father Allen. It's been a real pleasure just listening to all of you. And I think that the theme that I keep hearing over and over is the, the ways that you've been able to engage others. And I feel that it's working. I know here in, at St. Pat's and at, at Sacred Heart, I know for a fact it is. So uh, God bless you all for the efforts and the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for thank you for your service to the church. God bless you all. Thanks. You. Thanks, Anna. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone. I want to thank Father Scalaro, Father Hoffa, and Father Murphy, and of course, the great Anna Vaez for being on our show today and for sharing their wonderful ideas and insights about parish ministry. I'll leave some links in the show notes to each of their parishes. And of course, to view the full video presentation of this podcast, I encourage you to visit the show's episode page on advancingourchurch.com. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and the Pottery Studios for another great show. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us on advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for over 21 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's our show this week. Next week, we have a very special guest, Pastor David Friend from Scottsdale, Arizona. My own Uncle David is going to join us. He is the author of two books, and he has a new podcast about personal finances and Christian living. I'm really looking forward to having Uncle Dave on the show next week. Until then, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Take care, and God bless.